Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. You might be asking yourself the question, why is Chris preaching on vineyard values? What on earth does he know about the vineyard? I mean, for goodness sake, he's been in this church for years, so how could he possibly know anything about it? Well, sometimes we have to look back on our journey going forward. Although individually our history doesn't necessarily shape our future, because the power of the gospel is to change lives, but the church is always on a journey from somewhere to somewhere. And that somewhere depends on the leaders and their desires to lead the church in the direction that God is calling the church to go. And of course, the willingness of other people to follow. That makes sense, doesn't it? Well, I was the lead pastor here for 12 years before handing over the baton to Simon and Keeley, who were both called and anointed to lead the church onwards. Now, there's a kingdom principle, which I think kind of Simon touched on last week, is that you only get to keep that which you're prepared to give away or let go of. So Simon Keeley, when they came here, had to let go of the vineyard. They gave up a family. They gave up a community. They gave up influence. They gave up esteem because they wanted to obey God's calling to come here and lead this church. They had to let it go. And that cost. It cost them. Now, during my leadership, we came out of a loose denomination called the FIEC. Not by choice, I would add. And the leadership at the time recognised that being a standalone independent church wasn't necessarily the best thing and the way forward for us. Over time, we discussed alternatives, We link with New Wine to get their teaching, go to their conferences, send our young people off to Soul Survivor. Uh, But nothing seemed to be right for us, so we waited. But we're always looking for God's plan. And when we started to look again, we looked at a number of options, including the vineyard. Now, usefully, they produce a number of booklets setting out their core values. And the SLT, that's the senior leadership team and the trust board, read them. And perhaps, to our surprise, we found that vineyard are us. Unconsciously, it seemed, God had led us along a road of convergence. I wish I could take credit for that, but it was truly God's doing. And it should be no surprise that our loving Heavenly Father, the Master Gardener, was preparing the soil for us to become part of a larger family. Now, if you're a member of the senior leadership team, would you please stand? And if you're a member of the trust board, would you please stand? And if you are a home group leader or a ministry leader, part of the wider leadership team of the church, would you please just indicate by standing? Okay. Woo! That's a lot of people, isn't it? All these people have read the booklets, the leaflets, about the vineyard. So if you have any questions... You can ask any one of these people about it, okay? 
And it's good from time to time just to see who are the leaders of the church. So thank you guys for standing up and for doing such a wonderful job. So yes, I do feel that I'm qualified to speak to Vineyard Values. And I hope you sense that God has prepared us for the next step of the journey, joining this bigger family. So our topic today, and all these topics are kind of interlinked, um, so you'll probably get some repeats on what's already been said, is that everybody gets to play. Now, who wants to do the drums? <laughs> We've got some guitars, some keyboards. Do I have any takers and volunteers? Gosh, nobody wants to come and bang a drum. That surprises me. See, we're not, we're not, we're not talking about playing in the worship band. So what are we talking about? Uh, my biggest challenge today is not to get on to one of my hobby horses and go off at a tangent. Some of you will know exactly what I mean. Do you know your spiritual? No, shush, Christopher. How hist- history is that we are an evangelical church. That means we put a great store on the word of God. And we claim that to evaluate things based on what we read in God's word. And that's a great attribute for any church. Historically, we placed a lot of emphasis on the word. And maybe less emphasis on the gifts and the work and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Why was that? I think one of the traps that we can fall into as we're Christians and we read the Bible and we read all these amazing things that happened in the Bible and then we look at what's going on around us and we think, okay, that doesn't quite match up to my experience. So I need to interpret the Bible in the light of my experience rather than saying, actually, maybe my experience should be what's written in the Bible. And then if we have the attitude of, looking at our own experiences rather than the word of God, we can then very easily dismiss those bits of the Bible that don't really tie into our experience. I'm pleased to say that Riverside Church has moved a long, long way on a journey of understanding that the Holy Spirit and the word are things that work together for the kingdom. John Wimber had a revelation He was reading John 14, and he read these words, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name, and I will do it, so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And he records it felt like somebody had punched him in the stomach. Because he felt that he was actually interpreting the Bible in the light of his experience. And he hadn't seen a lot at that point of signs and wonders. And he repented of that and he decided that he would then live his life experiencing the Bible and letting the Bible inform his experiences and not the other way around. And he brought that not only into his personal life but into the vineyard. For freedom, Christ has set us free. And it was great to have a time of worship today where I felt the spirit of the Lord was moving and there was a freedom in this place just to worship the Lord Jesus. And Jesus comes to set us free, free from addictions, free from sin, free from the oppression of the enemy. 
Jesus fulfilled many of the prophecies in the Old Testament. And Simon, I think, referred to this prophecy last week. And as I said, you're going to get some overlaps. And he read from the book of Isaiah 61. And it says what it says up there. And I'm not going to read it all, because you can read. But this was his ministry, his mission objective. He wanted to set people free. He wanted to save them to become God's children, to restore them into the God's kingdom of light, bringing them out of a kingdom of darkness. And the key points are is that he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did everything in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointed upon him, was he able to do the things that he did. He brought the good news that he was king, the Messiah, the waited one. He, come, he had come to set things right, to bring the kingdom of heaven into our reality. He is changing things and he's still changing things today. He comes to the poor. That's whether they're physically poor or spiritually poor. He comes with compassion because when Jesus sees broken people, whether you're rich or poor, he has compassion and he wants to reach out and bring healing and restoration. He wants to set people free because we're all slaves to something. What are you a slave to? Is it marble cake? You're free. He's been free from marble cake. Cream donuts, chocolate, alcohol, other stuff, technology, WhatsApp, and all that stuff. Blind eyes to see, whether they're physical or spiritual, and those that are oppressed to be set loose. Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy and Jesus came to destroy all the works of the evil one. And that's his mission. And that's the ongoing mission of the church. So how did Jesus go about this mission? Well, basically, he told his, the people that he could only do what he saw the Father doing. He could only speak the words that the Father was speaking. In Mark's Gospel in chapter 1, we read this. That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. But because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone's looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. This is why I've come. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Now, you see, after such a successful campaign, after such a revival had broken out, you know, I think I would have been tempted just to stay there and do it all over again. Because you've got all these people coming to you and they're just looking and they're just admiring the fact that you're doing such amazing stuff. But Jesus says, no. I've gone out and I've had a chat this morning with my dad. And my dad says, got to move on. Because he's not doing it here again today. He's doing it over there. 
And sometimes, you know, we have to recognize that when God has stopped doing something and we carry on doing it, then actually it becomes unfruitful. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. Why would you do that? You see, one of the things of the kingdom is we have to be seeing and hearing and understanding what God is doing and being there with him, involved in the kingdom work. And that's what Jesus said. I can only do what my father's doing. I can only speak the words that he's saying. And I think that's just how he went about doing it. I had this mental picture that Jesus gets up every morning and he kind of sits down there and he has this time with the father. And the father says, here, hang on a minute, I'm just going to download you today. And he sees in his mind's eye, like a video, that all the things that are going to happen. He sees the people he's going to meet. He sees the people he's going to heal. He, he, he gets the words he's going to preach. And then he goes out and he does it. I think it's just amazing. So what about us? You see, a mark of a true disciple of Jesus is that they obey his commands. Now, I have to say, he made it very clear, and this is the worrying bit, is that actually he said, not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, is part of my kingdom. He's part of my tribe. Not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord, will inherit eternal life. You see, nominal Christianity is not a biblical concept. Coming to church doesn't get you into heaven. Putting money in the offering doesn't get you to heaven. Joining a small group, dare I say it, doesn't get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is obeying the words of Jesus when he says, follow me. Now, what does follow me mean? Anybody got any ideas? Malcolm, you're looking particularly studious. What do you think it means? Living the values. Living the values, yeah. I think it just means follow me. But yes, living the values is good. (laughs) The disciples used a title for Jesus, which I think illustrates this well. They called him Rabbi. Now, if you have to know something about the rabbinical system, the best of the best scholars, that's the people that could memorise the Bible, because they didn't have books like we have and carry them around. They had scrolls. And to be a good scholar, you had to memorise the whole thing. The whole of the Old Testament, they memorised. And the best of the best would then seek to become a rabbi. And what they would do is they would choose a rabbi and they'd go and follow that rabbi and they would then try and be like that rabbi. So they'd walk like the rabbi. They'd talk like the rabbi. They'd eat like the rabbi. They'd pray like the rabbi. They even went to the loo like their rabbi and saying the same prayers that the rabbi said. Because that's what being a disciple was. Now, Jesus came along and turned that all upside down because he went and chose his disciples. And he chose the ordinary, the fishermen. He chose the tax collector, the worst of the worst. But the same principle applied. You are going to become like me. You are going to do the things that I do. You are going to be able to say 
the things that I say. You're going to be able to talk about the kingdom of God being near. You'll be able to bring healing to people's lives. You are able to set people free. Are you getting the picture of what it is to be a disciple of Jesus? Are you getting it? Yes? Oh, good. I was just about to get down. And let's just emphasize that again, because sometimes when you're preaching, you have to use a hammer. Have you noticed that? You have to use a hammer. And I've got one here. Wally lent it to me. Sometimes you have to do this to your congregation. (laughs) And what I mean is hammer the point home, okay? Just in case you were getting worried. Jesus appears to the disciples after the resurrection. And he comes to them and shows them his wounds. And basically then says to them, hey guys, I was sent by my father. I was sent into this world to set people free. And now I am sending you to do exactly the same. And then symbolically he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now we know the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, but this was symbolic. This is Jesus saying, look, you are commissioned. You are going to go into all the world. You're going to make disciples. And you're going to do the things that I've done. Remember John 14? Anyone who believes in me will do the works that I do, and even greater works. Who wants to do greater works than Jesus? Me. You do. Fantastic. Now, it's okay, because Jesus said we could. So don't think, oh, I can't possibly do more than Jesus did. Certain things that we can't do that Jesus did do. We can't die for the sins of the world. We can't take on anybody else's sin. Only Jesus could do that because he was the Son of God. But what he did say is the things that I have done, you can do. So, a vineyard value is that everyone who is a believer gets to be part of the action. Everyone. Everyone gets to minister. Now, this is a little, another little hobby horse, which I didn't realise I had. But there are, there are no ministers and laity that I can find in the New Testament. Okay? Go and read your Bible. All I see is disciples. Disciples with different gifts and different ministries expressing who Jesus is and extending the kingdom of God. There's no hierarchy in the New Testament. Leaders are to be servants. We follow leaders when we see the godly manifestation of leadership and grace on their lives. We see servant-hearted people pouring out their lives for the gospel and for the kingdom. So, everybody is part of the action. Are you part of the action? Do you feel like you're in there, part of the action of the kingdom? Do you feel that you've engaged with it? So each one of us will be gifted by God to minister in our everyday, ordinary lives, but in a supernatural way. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are available today, just as they were in the New Testament. And we're challenged, just like John Wimber, to believe that the words of Jesus, challenged to believe that the Bible should inform our experience and not the other way round. Now, do you remember the pager? Oh, some of you are thinking, what on earth is a pager? <laughs> it's a thing like this that used to sit on your belt 
And if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, they'd send a me- message for the ether, and this thing would go off. It'd go beep, beep, beep. And usually it'd have a number for you to ring. And I used to have one of these. That's before we had this new techno mobile phone stuff. And what it meant was I was always contactable. I was always on call. You know, there's a heavenly sense in which we're all always on call. We always have to be available to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So that when there's something that means doing in the kingdom, God can speed dial you and say, hey, just want you to do this. Just want you to do this thing for me. And sometimes those things come at the most inconvenient time. As a pastor, the worst thing that would happen is that somebody would phone me up and say, oh, hi, Chris. Oh, is it your day off? <laughs> and you say, yes. Oh, okay, well, um, sorry to bother you, but... And then, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, it's all part of being ministry. It's all part of it. This is true. Who likes lists? Who's a list people? Yes, I'm a list person. Look, if you're not a list person, I've got some bad news for you. There's a list in heaven with your name on it. And your guardian angel's up there at the moment ticking off whether you've done the things on your list or not. Have you accomplished all the tasks that God has prepared for you in advance to do? It's all about doing good. The person you help, the person you minister to. Ministry comes in all shapes and sizes, just like you. God made you to be naturally supernatural. Spiritual light to what he's doing. And he says, you know, I think he says something like this. Do you wake up in the morning and God's saying to you, hey, come on, let's go and do some good today. Now, I know you're grumpy. I know your jo- joints ache. I know you'd rather be on your Facebook or your WhatsApp or your Snapchat. But let's go out and do some good today. I prepare some stuff just for you. It fits only you. Now, it may be outside your comfort zone, but hey, I'm God. And I'm in the business of expanding people's comfort zones. And we're going to do some stuff today that tomorrow will feel a little bit more normal. And next week, next week you won't even give it a thought. Because you'll be wearing supernatural, the supernatural, in the same way that you wear your clothes. Or to put it another way, from this guy, John Wesley, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, and all the times you can, to all the people you can, as ever long you can. Because Jesus went around doing good. And that's what we're called to do. Good when we speak. Does what come out of your mouth, does it bless? Is it good stuff? Or is it gossip or moans or whinges? How are we doing? Now, are you feeling nervous or are you excited? Stunned silence. I, just, I detect there's some duvet moments going on. There's some people that are thinking, no, I'm not ready for this adventure. I'm not ready for this. I'm going to hide under my duvet. Who's, who's up for the duvet moment? Oh, nobody's admitting to it. There's no escaping the fact that we all get to use gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. It's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. To everyone... Now, who's not an everyone? Who's not included in everyone? You all are. And we have a toolbox. 
We're different tools, different gifts. Now, it took me a long time in my DIY experience to learn not everything can be fixed with a hammer. (laughs) Sometimes you needed to be a little bit more subtle and use a screwdriver. Or maybe it needed a pair of scissors. Who knows? But these are all different types of tools. And the Holy Spirit comes with different types of gifts. And it's like that we have this toolbox that we always, always have availability to. It's not like you're carrying it around, but it's there. It's always there. And when we meet something or we meet a situation, the Holy Spirit says, hey, it's time for a posi drive. Or maybe it's, oh no, oh, this is a ratchet screwdriver. That's, that's a bit posh. I haven't got one of those. Oh no, it's one of those. That's it. We need one of those. The Holy Spirit comes and says, you need that. And I'm going to help you. And I'm going to give it to you. And the Holy Spirit comes and he wants us to function as a body. Not independently. Sometimes these gifts are given to us so that we actually can encourage one another and build one another up. Have you ever been in a meeting? I had, this has happened to me. So I'm sure it's happened to some of you as well. You're sitting there and it's kind of like you're in this prayer meeting and it's, you get this sense, oh, I really must pray about this. God's really kind of put this thing on my heart and you're thinking, no, I don't want I, I, no, I just, oh, It's not God. It's not God. It's just me making it up, you know? Um, sh- shall I? Shall I? Shall I? Shall I? Shan't I? Will I, will I? will I stand up and speak? Will I, will, 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 will I pray? And you hesitate and you kind of do that. And then two rows over, somebody stands up and prays your prayer. And you think, what? And it's kind of like Holy Spirit say, missed it. <laughs> I've moved on. Too slow. Yeah, you've all been there, haven't you? We've all done that. And we must be a body to be strong. Oh dear, I think I'm going to overrun. Lights, camera, action. There's a surprise, Christopher. You've made me suffer. I took that. You made my family suffer. I took that. You're gonna take my boy? Don't you take my son? Don't you take my son? Blood pressure is falling. We're losing him. Sonia, how's Colton? We're in trouble here. He's, um... He's not... He's not doing well. He's worse. He's much worse. No. Will you call some friends and ask them to pray for him? Of course I will, honey. Right now. I'll pray for you too. Thank you. Jay, we got a problem. Please help us watch over this little boy. He's very precious. I've heard him say so many times what a fine young man you are. I have a favor I'd like to ask.
our brother, for his family, for his boy. Rose, it's Nancy from the church. Colton Burpo is in the hospital and he may not live. people rally round. That's when people pray. That's when people use the gifts of the Spirit. And did some research. Well, no, this is part of a course that we used to run. Identified 23 gifts. Actually, do you know that there are 24? Do you know one, the one that's missing? I'll give you a moment to think about it can see you're kind of struggling hard there. It's not a gift that any of you want. Trust me. Okay? It's mentioned in Revelation about these people under the throne of God. Celibacy. No, not celibacy. <laughs> celibacy? Oh, that is a gift, though. should be there. No, it's the gift of martyrdom. Uh, <laughs> anybody want that one? My, my view on the gifts has changed over the years. I used to think that you got a gift and that was your gift. But with the help of people like John Wimber, I came to understand that the gifts are a toolkit. They're gifts that anyone in the body of Christ can be given for any point in time. How does this work? Right, I'll explain. We did the classics, as Keeley said. We had our first launch meeting. And in preparation for that, I'm thinking, what do we want to do? And there's some people that don't like icebreakers, you know. So I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to do an icebreaker then. Okay. And we also want to get people in, want to get them comfortable. And I'm driving around my car, and it's kind of the Lord says, pack of cards. What? Pack of cards. So, okay. So I get a home, get a pack of cards. Now, I think, actually, this is brilliant, because we're expecting nearly 60 people, but only 51 turned up. And how many are there in a pack of cards? 52. So, God, I should have known that. Anyway, so I got this pack of cards and I thought of ways in which I could give the cards out and use them. But the idea didn't come from me, it came from God. Because I was asking him. And he's creative. He's the most creative person I know. And he gave me that as an idea. Now, in running this classic events, we discovered that Chris does not have the gift of portion evaluation or actually knowing how much cheese to buy for a cheese and wine (laughs) deal. We put out half the cheese I bought and the people ate half the cheese we put out. 
So I bought four times more than we needed. Clearly not one of my gifts. Which ones of these gifts have you experienced? For me, I'll be honest, I think it's quite a few. I think I've, I've, I've known godly wisdom from time to time. I've been given knowledge about situations before they happen. Walked into a situation where God's told me something that I couldn't possibly know. And been able to bless somebody. Faith, well I hope I've got the gift of faith, otherwise I wouldn't be standing up here. Healings, yes, I've been involved in praying for people and seeing them healed. I've seen people come into church with crutches and a knee brace and I've seen them walk out without. Prophecy. Yes, I once gave a woman a prophecy who I didn't know, total stranger, and said, I think God wants you to do something wonderful in your church to do with worship. And she burst into tears because they just made her the head of worship. Wow, wasn't that a good blessing for her? Discernment. Miracles, yes, I think we're standing in a miracle. Tongues, yes, I can speak in tongues. I love to sing in tongues when we get those fiddly bits in the worship. Do you know? Yeah. Yes, I've interpreted tongues. Apostleship, well, I think in the terms of what these gifts are, they describe it's about somebody who's able to start something and create something new, start something new that God is doing. And I think I've been done a bit of that. I've done a bit of teaching. Yeah, hopefully I've helped people along the way from time to time. Administration, not one of my strong points. <laughs> Encouragement, okay. Giving, hopefully I give. Leadership, yeah. Mercy, sometimes. <laughs> Evangelism, occasionally. Pastoring, yeah, well, I hope so. <laughs> Hospitality, yes, we fed people. Craftsmanship, no, that's not me. Okay, do not come to me for any DIY. That's not me. Intercession and all those things. Each and every one of those gifts can be given to you in a moment when it's needed. Some of those gifts can turn into ministries. I can remember there was a time when I used, you know, I used to leave worship. Could you? Oh, you you imagine that? Yeah, I did. I used to listen to worship tapes in my car. Those, those cassette things, you know, you put them in. And I'd be driving around the M25, listening to worship, and then I'd put together a worship set for Sunday morning based on kind of stuff. It used to drive the musicians mad because I'd ask them to do things that were probably totally impossible in totally the wrong key at totally the wrong time. But they seemed to manage it, and we had some amazing worship services. And, but then I got started to be asked to preach, and, and it was kind of like I'm holding on to two things here. Hang on a minute, I can't... No, actually, I've got to let that go. I had to get let go of worship leading to grow into the gift of preaching. And then from preaching, it was into the gift of being a pastor. You see, things over time change. Our ministry may change. Our gifting mix may change. Because God has different times and seasons for us. And it's always saying to yourself, what is the Father doing today? What am I supposed to be involved in? What have I got to give up today? Do you ever ask yourself the question is, what have I got to stop doing for God? Because actually he wants me to do something different. In Ephesians we read this, that Jesus gave these gifts to the church. To be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. And those people have got a very specific responsibility for training the rest of the church so that they can become mature. 
I find it fascinating that the church doesn't seem to have fully adopted this model of leadership that Jesus has given us. Over the years, I've struggled with this. But I think it's something within the vineyard that they recognise these fivefold ministries and something that we should, as a church, be investing in. Because we all want to grow to maturity. Who wants not to be mature? Yeah, thought so. Okay, so let's get the practical stuff going. So how do we do it? Expectation. It starts with expectation. I found if you don't expect a lot, not a lot happens. Have you noticed that? If you have low expectations, then occasionally you're surprised. But mostly you reap what you sow. And if you sow with low expectation, then you'll reap very little. Make the Bible the basis of your experience, not your experience the basis of the Bible. If Jesus says you can do the things that he could do, then believe it. And when you find yourself in a situation where you need to do something that Jesus did, do it. This is probably one of the most important things. Develop your hearing and seeing skills. Look to what God is doing. Look to what he's saying. Be hearing. So when I'm driving around and God says, you're going to a meeting, I don't want you to go there, I want you to do something different, then have the courage to stop and pray and say, is this you, Lord? Do you want me to do something? And then ask other people, what gifts do you see in me? Because sometimes we're blind to our gifting. We don't quite see it. We don't think that we could be like that. We don't think that we've quite got that gift because for some of us, you know, you're not worthy, are you? You're just miserable worms. That's what the, that's what the, that's what the Christian church used to teach us, isn't it? You're all miserable worms, rotten sinners. God couldn't possibly use anybody like you. Oh, my goodness gracious me, what a load of tosh. You know what? I've been in some good places spiritually and I've been in some not-so-good places spiritually. But what i found is that God is constant. And God has blessed things when I thought, I don't think he's even going to show up because I'm not in a good place. But God uses us sometimes whether we're in a good place or not because he's God and he's gracious and he's good. So ask somebody you trust. What gifts do you think I've got? And this is probably the most important. Because once you develop the hearing and the seeing and you begin to understand some of the giftings that God has laid on your heart and on your life and, and the anointing he's put upon you is to do it when he tells you to. Okay? How many missed opportunities are we going to see from a heavenly perspective? And we're going to turn around and say, oh, I wish I'd done that. I wish I'd stepped out in faith. I wish I had just taken that risk. David was leading the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And he'd loaded it up on a cart. And he was having the most amazing worship time ever. You think we had it good this morning? They were killing sheep like there was no tomorrow. (laughs) Different kind of worship. And 
the cart shakes, and it looks like the ark's going to fall off. And a guy reaches out of his hand to steady it. Now, you'd think that's a good thing to do, wouldn't you? Wow. And God strikes him dead. Well, that killed the worship. And basically, they got it all wrong. They weren't doing what they were supposed to do when they moved the ark. God had prescribed a way of doing it. And basically, he said, actually, it's more important that you do what I tell you to do than you worship. That's scary, isn't it? We can come with hearts, we want to worship, and we want to give ourselves to God. But God is saying, well, actually, it's more important that you do what I tell you to do in your everyday life. That you use the gifts I've given you. That you bless the people I want you to bless. That you go out of your way to be good to somebody and kind. Look for good mentors and teachers. People who are already doing the stuff. And learn from them. And hopefully they will hold your hand along the way. And last of all, this is one of my hobby hobby horses. Please be natural. Be naturally supernatural. There's somebody I... No names. I'm going to release you in the name of Jesus. Click. Now, I can't imagine Jesus going around doing that, can you? Clicking his fingers. I can't imagine Jesus going around with a full worship band going... I think Jesus just went bad. Demon, get out. Be healed. Be natural. Be the person that God created you to be. Don't put on airs and graces. Don't big it up. Just be natural. Just do the stuff naturally. Although it's supernatural stuff. Just do it. And I think, last but not least, (laughs) when you learn something and something happens to you, share it with other people. Give it away. Because if you want more, you know, I know we had a time of great stuff where the Spirit moved in the church and we're seeing healings, and then it kind of just stopped. I say, well, Lord, why did it stop? He said, well, because it's not going anywhere. You're not giving it away. You're keeping it to yourself. You're keeping it in the room. Got to give it away. Got to get out there, on the streets, in the workplace, in the college, in the school. Everywhere you go, in the supermarket, look for the opportunity to be naturally supernatural with the people around you. Yeah, Kirsten gave us a great example last week, paying for somebody's groceries. Wasn't that a great idea? Blessing somebody, paying it forward. Another great idea. Doing these things is what we're called to do. Will you just stand with me for a moment? Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.